Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work For Him Zone. I hope you're never the same. Every day here on the I Work For Him show, it's our desire to challenge the way you think about your faith and work. And today we're talking about a very tough subject. The re- This is the reason God actually hates divorce. I think the title that that is the title of the article written by Laura Petherbridge and I found it on crosswalk.com actually I think Martha you found it on crosswalk.com and read it and, shared it with us. And yes. I said we have got to bring this woman on our show. We have got to talk about this because you've written a couple of great books. Laura Petherbridge, welcome to the I Work for Him radio program. Thank you so much. It's great to be with you. Hey, we didn't get a chance to pray together before the show. And so I, I'm just going to, because this is a pretty deep topic and it's a topic that's going to touch a lot of lives. I really think we need to pray right now because the enemy is going to work extra hard because the truth that we're going to share here today, the enemy doesn't want people to know there's hope and they don't want yes. it. And so we're just going to pray on the air and we'll get to do that very often, but we're going to do it right now. Father, I just thank you for Laura. I thank you for her heart fighting for those new stepmoms and stepdads and, and divorcees who are who are just trying to pave a new pathway as they do blended families and they try to glorify you with what's new and what's left of their old marriages as they try to create new families. Father, we know that there's hope out there and we know that everybody can be restored. But Lord, we know it's also an uphill battle. And I thank you for Laura. I thank you for her passion in this. 25 years of fighting, fighting for marriages in 
and really fighting for the remarriages. And Lord, thank you for connecting us up to her. And Lord, just bless her time and and bring the right people to the radio dial right now in Tampa Bay and beyond the world. All right, Lord, thank you so much. Amen. Amen. All right, I want to read I want to read this scripture, Lord, before we got started. Verse from Matthew 19, 4 through 9. It says, Haven't you read the scriptures? Jesus replies, They record that from the beginning God made them male and female. And he said, This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united as one, since they are no longer two but one. Let no one split apart what God has joined together. Then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away, they asked. Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts, but it was not what God had originally intended. And I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. I read that because people are so quick to judge, Laura. They're so quick to judge. And and Martha and I are partners with you in this marriage fight. And so we welcome you onto the I Work Rim Show. Because for 16 years, Martha and I have been mentoring on the with the couples that are trying to fight from going into a divorce. And you're on the other side of the battle helping couples recover from divorce. And so, Yes. Well, actually, I've spent 25 years on divorce recovery ministry. But what people don't realize is that a good 50% of that are people who are in separation. And so I do work with a lot of people who are in the midst of that and would like to be able to save their marriage, but they're not sure they can. Mm -hmm. So even though my first book, uh, my first two books are written on divorce and separation, I have a number of chapters in there that talk about how can a marriage be restored? Is it possible for the marriage to be restored when it was on the verge of divorce? So, and, and unfortunately, by writing those books, many people throw me into a category of being soft on divorce and thinking that I encourage divorce, and absolutely nothing could be further from the truth. Mm. I hate divorce because I've spent 25 years watching what it does, but I love divorced people because Jesus loves them, and we're commanded to love them. And so that's where the church has gotten it a little bit off kilter, that we hate divorce in the church, but we often hate divorced people, too. And there's where we make a mistake. Yeah, and I think really the church overall, Laura, is having a hard time with sin. And, and recognizing they, they rank some sins a little higher than people that commit those sins. Well, those people aren't really going to, we don't, the church doesn't know what to do with some sin and other sin. You know, the sin that's committed inside, as long as the church, church doesn't know about it, that's okay. But when the sins are outward and exposed in the public, the church really doesn't know what to do with them. And it's, they have a, the church today struggles as a whole, but obviously there's lots of exceptions. Uh, the church is struggling on how to deal with real sinners in the church and well, people who are and suffering. The re- and the reason divorce is one of those issues that are often a hot potato issue that the church doesn't want to touch is because uh, we have a tendency to, if, if a couple gets divorced, we blame both people. We say that a sin has occurred, but that doesn't necessarily mean that both people have sinned. Certainly, not uh, none of us are perfect. That doesn't mean one has been a perfect spouse, but there can be one spouse that has broken the vow of sin of of marriage, and and re- repeatedly refused to repent and turn their life around, and that is ultimately what caused the marriage to end. And those are usually the people that come to divorce recovery groups 
or support groups or are seeking a Christian resource are those that ended up in a divorce that they didn't want, but they were married to someone who refused to stay married or refused to, to keep their vow. And so there's where we get into a mess in the church, as we throw both the sinner and the one that is married to the sinner in the same boat, and we label them both as sinners. And that is not necessarily the case. No, it is sometimes, but it is not always. And, and it's it's tough because sometimes, as we've seen within the church, as couples start to struggle, they often pull away from the church, sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. And so by the time they actually get divorced, a lot of times those that were involved in their small groups years before don't even know because they've, they've separated themselves so far from it and they don't know, they'll never know both sides of why the divorce happened. And, and that's tough. It's not like it's everybody's right to know what happened, but it often makes it a lot easier when you know both sides what happened so you can help the people recover so let's just step back for a second laura how did you get to be an expert on divorce well i uh my parents divorced when i was eight years old i had one goal in my life and that is that i would never be divorced i didn't have a desire to become well educated or make a lot of money or you know there was no big huge dream, I just was absolutely certain I would never be divorced. And then I became a Christian in my mid-twenties and discovered that God hates divorce, so this more or less cinched it for me. I thought, if I hate divorce, God hates divorce, I'm a Christian now, divorce will never happen to me. Well, I did what I didn't factor in, because I was a baby Christian and naive, is that it takes two people to get married, but it only takes one to get a divorce. And so when my husband said, I don't want to be married anymore, I am in a new relationship, and this is over, I fell apart. I was devastated. And the failure, the sense of failure, the sense of failing God, the overwhelming sense of shame, the sense of that no one would ever love me again, uh, was just almost more that I can bear. As a matter of fact, I almost took my life during that time. And so, um, fortunately, I had a great church. I didn't realize how fortunate I was. I didn't know that many people didn't have a church that supported them through their divorce. I, fortunately, was one of those people that had a church that came alongside me and said, we'll still keep loving you and supporting you even during this season of your life. And so, to be honest, that's what got me through, was the Christians and the pastor that I had that did not abandon me during that time. And so, after that, I started leading divorce recovery support groups, and I did that for a number of years, and then started doing seminars and things like that, just became more and more educated on the topic and learned more and more about how to minister to people going through a divorce, and probably about eight or ten years in, a publisher approached me about writing a book on the subject, and so what I did is I took the most frequently asked questions that I was getting, and the repeated uh, situations that I saw over and over again, and the things that people were asking me the most often, and I put those categorically in a book, in a question and answer format, and there's where it really started was by just reaching out and using my pain to help others. 
That's awesome. I think that um, one thing that Jim and I talk about a lot of times with people is the fact that God does not waste those experiences. So as hard as they were, it's so encouraging to hear that you're using that in a way to encourage other people and to help other people through a time that you know firsthand how devastating it can be. So that's a yes. that's a wonderful thing. Yes, both the divorce of my parents, uh, you know, the pain of, of uh, surviving a divorce as a child, uh, parent of my parents' divorce and their remarriage. My dad remarried two more times. So even my life in a step family, God now uses because now I'm in addition to the divorce recovery, I now minister to step families. And so, like you say, God has used it all. You know, in your article that you wrote, the, the article that, that was entitled, This is the Reason God Actually Hates Divorce, I, I, I loved what you wrote. It's very much from your heart. And and I'm just going to read it right. And I learned that God does hate divorce, but not for the reasons we hear in most churches, in that it breaks the law. No, the root reason is much more intimate, more affectionate. God knows that divorce deeply wounds and attempts to destroy his precious beloved. Divorce endeavors to steal, kill, and destroy God's creation. Divorce tried to assassinate me. That's why God hates divorce. Yes. Uh, in all my years of doing this, I, I really get very tired of the church, uh, you know, just God hates divorce, God hates divorce, and it's true. It's the, But they're, they're so uh, fervent about the law of God hating divorce that they've missed the root reason. They've missed that the reason God hates divorce is because it destroys his children. It hurts their soul. It hurts their... Like I said, I was filled with shame, I was filled with guilt, I was filled with fear. Uh, I thought no one would ever love me again. And of course, that's entering into the enemy's territory. That's exactly where the devil wanted me, loathing myself. And so that is the root reason why God hates divorce. And you very rarely hear that in the church. You normally just hear all kinds of you know, legalistic uh, bashing about people getting divorced. And it is true that God hates it, but not for the reasons that we're teaching. Uh, if we'd start teaching people, look at God doesn't want you to be broken inside, and that's what divorce does to us. This is why it's important to work on your marriage. This is why he wants you to work on your marriage. Not because of a law, but because it wounds us. It wounds our children. And he wants to protect us from that. Yeah. What what a powerful message. I'm just thinking about how that translates into, you know, the other things that the church teaches when you're talking with middle schoolers and you're saying these are reasons not to, um, you know, have an intimate relationship with somebody prior to marriage. It's not just because the Bible says so. Although that is the foundation of it, but the reason that God sets that up is again the wounds that it causes outside of marriage, and I think that was that's just so um, important for the church to grasp. And I I never thought of it in those terms. We've talked a lot lately about the character that people um, need to have built up, and this is part of that. It's beyond the law. It's it's that whole idea that God wants us to be whole and to keep us from that damage. And um, I, I love that. I just never thought of it that way. One of the things that I'd love for us to talk more about is how the how the church needs to change that. How do we change that mindset? 
Well, that's a question I've got for a little bit later on. But, Laura, when we come back from our break, I want to talk about these books that you've written for the, the Smart Stepmom and 101 Tips for the Smart Stepmom. And really, these, these tips and clues for those blended families that are looking for answers on how do we do this? This isn't what God's ideal was, but now that this is the reality that we're living in, how do we deal with it? And, and, and you were right in that God, came, Jesus Christ came to restore all things. And the, the wave of divorce in our country over the last 50 years has been devastating, but what I have seen is a lot of people who have recovered from divorce and have have been able to really revive in their relationship with Christ and, and move forward, it, but it is a death that keeps on giving, and it is a very painful time, but I really want to talk about the expertise that you've written in these books because they're powerful. Today, we're talking about divorce and the real reason that God hates divorce, and I want to, I'm getting, gotten several comments from listeners in the beginning of the show, want to make it very, very clear. We understand that divorce Divorce is caused by sin in a marriage, and there it, it there's all two uh, marriage is full of sin because it's two sinful people marrying each other, and the disappointing thing is sometimes people sin and they don't want to repent from that sin, and in order to save a marriage you have to have two people working on that marriage, and if one person decides they're not going to work on the marriage and they walk away from it, the person that's left there cannot force them to work on it, no matter how much they've repented, the one that is steeped in sin and decides to roll around in the sin and stay in the sin. The, the spouse left behind can't do anything about that. But the answer is Christ. And that's the amazing thing is that we have seen time and time again marriages that have been saved by repentant people because they submitted their lives to Christ and both husband and wife said we want to work on this, we're going to submit to the Lord in this, we're going to chase after the Lord and marriages despite catastrophic devastation have been saved because of people working on them together. But if a husband or a wife decides they do not want to work on it, it doesn't matter how much the husband or the wife wants to save it if the other one wants to destroy it there is nothing to save it in this country there is no way to stop that divorce except for a miracle of God. And that's what you always pray for. When Martha and I get in the middle of this, we pray for a miracle of God in the person's heart that's running the other direction. So understand this. The stance of I work for him is we like everybody to stay married and to work through their issues. Stop worrying about your spouse's sin issues and work on your own sin issues and chase after the Lord together and unite in chasing after the Lord together and it will strengthen your marriage. But if your spouse decides to run the other direction and divorce you it is not recognition of that you're not worthy it the in your heavenly father's eyes you're worthy and you're forgiven too and it's 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 a tough it's a tough spot you know nobody wants divorce i know a lot of divorced people nobody ever said boy that's what i always wanted was to get divorced so welcome back to the i work for him show laura petherbridge you've written a couple of books laura the smart stepmom and 101 tips for the smart stepmom what prompted you to write these books well, God made me do it. Uh, <laughs> I really had no desire to be 100% honest with you. I was working in divorce recovery ministry, and actually I was working. So many people had said to me, you know, you do so much in divorce recovery, you probably should write something on marriage. And so I actually was working on a book um, on, on some of the other things that we were talking about here, the real reasons people divorce. And in the midst of that, Ron Deal came to me and said, and he's the, the guru of Christian step families today, and he said, I'm writing The Smart Stepmom. I'd really like you to co-author that with me. And I had to pray long and hard about it because I knew how complicated step families are. Mm-hmm, and I wasn't sure. sure I wanted to step into that arena. Uh, I had had two stepmoms growing up, and I, then I became a stepmom when I married my husband who had two children. 
and it is by far one of the most complicated things I've ever done in my life. And so, anyway, after I prayed about it, I really felt the Holy Spirit telling me, I, I want you to be the voice of this. I want to use your, your voice. And so that's how it actually started. I, I went in a little bit kicking and screaming. But once I started ministering to the stepmoms, then my heart just became really huge for them. And they're so hurting and so isolated and so lonely. They feel like nobody understands. The church rarely has anything for stepmoms. They try to throw these couples into typical marriage classes, and that doesn't work, and it often backfires because the things you do in a first-time marriage are radically different than how you handle them in a second marriage. And so these people were just so hurting and they had nowhere to go. It's really what launched me into into going into that direction. So, okay, well, I, I've got to uh, stop. I got to stop you right there because I got I got to highlight the bookstore that highlights the stuff. With this book highlights, segment I mean, was brought to us by Karis Christian Books and Gifts. Today, we're talking with author and speaker Laura Petherbridge about her books, "The Smart Stepmom: 101 Tips for the Smart Stepmom," two books, and her article that she wrote on Crosswalk.com that Martha found. This is the reason God actually hates divorce. And Laura, just a couple of clarifications. We We've said in our conversation, the church, the church, the church. It's true. There are churches out there, aren't there, that are actually supporting divorced women and and, and are there fighting for divorces, fighting for marriages before they get divorced and fighting for marriages or fighting for the people who have gotten divorced to help support them, aren't there? You run into them, haven't you? Oh, absolutely. There are a number of churches that run divorce recovery support groups. They run divorce recovery for children. So, yes, I'm not saying all churches are in the same uh, boat. Uh, There are definitely churches that understand that having a heart for the person who has been less devastated by a spouse walking out, these children are now orphaned. Many times they don't see their parent or very rarely see the other parent after the divorce. And so, absolutely, there are many churches that have a heart for single parents, for uh, men and women of divorce and those who uh, just I have find themselves in a devastated situation. The collateral damage after a divorce is uh, unbelievable, and a lot of people don't think about that. We often work with couples, and they say, well, the kids, they're resilient. They'll be fine. And, and Martha and I are now working, I'm sure you are, you're working with couples who are the products, the children of couples who believed in, who started getting divorced in the 70s and the 80s, and now their kids are 30 and 40 years old today, and the collateral damage on these kids these quote-unquote resilient kids, these kids are still a mess, and they're 30 and 40 years old. It it made a huge impact on them, and they never dealt with it because nobody ever encouraged them. So I think where I'd like to take the conversation next, and I know Martha's got a question for us, let's give some information out there on how to encourage those churches that aren't, that don't know what to do with divorcees, don't know what to do with blended families, but also I'd like to encourage my listeners, if your church has got a ministry for blended families, got a ministry for divorcees, for a divorce recovery group, uh, if they got a ministry for fighting for marriages, post on our Facebook page, IWorkForHim.com, and I, or I work for him on our Facebook page, and we will tell it on the air. So, Laura, talk about some of the things that the church, the churches need to know. The church, let's just help the church realize some things. I know you you make some notes in that article of things you you want pastors in the church body to know about divorce. What are some of those things? Well, the first thing I'd like to share with them is that there's a mistaken thought that if a church hosts divorce recovery support groups, that that means they are endorsing divorce. 
and this is a common phrase that I hear, have heard over more than 25 years. We don't want to do a divorce recovery group or do a step family group. Uh, we don't want to have anything to advertise any of that or focus on any of that because it will silently communicate that we advocate divorce and remarriage. And so that's, that is just a, a naive way of thinking because the people who attend divorce recovery groups, 90% of the time are the ones that did not want the divorce. So it, what it does is it's helping those people to stabilize. When a church offers a divorce recovery support group, it helps that person to stabilize when their spouse walks out so that they don't become an emotional train wreck and that means they're more stable for their children. It also is the more stable that person becomes, the more logical thinking they are, the more support they have, the better the chances are that they can reconcile with that marriage should their spouse come to their senses and want to turn around. It keeps them more emotionally even keeled in not dashing off into a new relationship or trying to find another way to soothe their pain. So that is the key thing I'd like to say to the church is don't think that by helping people of divorce that you are advocating divorce because those are not the people that are going to come anyway. Now that's the like saying, thing, but that's like saying celebrate recovery is advocating people or advocating that the church is advocating alcoholism and pornography addiction and drug addiction. I mean, it, it's it, I understand what you're saying, but I mean the church is supposed to be there to minister to the needs of those who are that have been impacted by sin, whether it's been sin on them or it has been their own sin. And, and the church is there for healing, for redemption. It, it's that's what the the body of Christ is supposed to be for. You know, I want to just bring up uh, in you really quick, Laura. We've still got several uh, sets of Laura's incredible books available. If you're a stepmom out there, or you know a stepmom, and you know she needs help and encouragement, call into the studio line now, 855-265-2929, 855-265-2929, and we'll send you out a set of these books. Laura, Martha's got a question. Well, I do, and I just, that was one of the points I wanted to bring up, is that if somebody that's listening knows of somebody that could use this resource, they may not be listening on the air right now, but um, this is speaking true to you, to somebody that you love and care about, um, call in and get the books for them as well. I'm just interested in the um, books, Laura, how I I can think of people that have been remarried and become stepmoms of very young children as well as adult children. So um, if you could just maybe speak to these books just a little bit in what is there a a range of stepmom that these books help? Um, How did you address that? Yes, that's a great question. We, we actually, in, um, in both books, the first book Ron and I wrote together, the second book, The 101 Tips I Wrote Alone, mm-hmm. we address a wide variety of, of arena of stepmom. So it goes everything from the, the woman who is married to a man. It's for anyone dating, engaged, or married to a man with children. Mm. And so even if they're dating somebody with kids, you know, many people cohabitate today as a step family. And if we were to take the statistics, there are more stepfamilies in the United States today than there are first-time marriages. And if you add to that the people who cohabitate, live together before they get remarried because they're terrified of another divorce, um, that number significantly goes up. So we knew we had to write this book for 
a woman in any stage of this, whether she's thinking about getting married or she's just dating. So, yes, Martha, we have addressed all of that. We have addressed, you know, whether these kids are adults and maybe the dad died and the mom died. Uh, and so now they're adult kids. And, see, people think only younger kids struggle in a step family, but that is totally untrue. Right. Adult children struggle when their parent remarries almost just as much as young children do. So we tackled all of those issues. We tackled how to handle a former spouse who is still cantankerous or angry or frustrated and is trying to sabotage the new marriage. We talk about how to handle holidays and Mother's Day and summer vacations and all of that type of thing. How to go to special occasions when you're in a step family. You know, we're coming upon wedding and graduation season. That can be a very tumultuous time in a step family because you're throwing all of these people together in one room. And so it, it is it is so complicated that it's hard to give cookie cutter answers because each circumstance is so unique. So what we did is we tried to answer the most common things that people address but yet stick with it in, in all of these different scenarios for both young and old, older kids. You, you mentioned in that article that pastors really need to learn to be equipped to minister to those destroyed by divorce. Where can a pastor who's been married for 40 years, where can a pastor or 30 years or 20 years and hasn't experienced divorce, where can they go get equipped to be able to minister to those destroyed by divorce, because it is true. It is an art, because divorce leaves such a destructive path. How does a pastor get trained? What have you found? Well, you're absolutely right. There is very little training. If, if, if I had one wish uh, in my ministry, it would be that I could somehow get in front of pastors to teach them this. Because when God has opened that door for me, and I stand there and I explain it to them, I explain how, how and why you can't minister to a step-family the same way you do a first-time family, that the rules are different. Once I sit down and explain it to them, it's like their eyeballs brighten up. It's like they, you can see it in their face. They're like, oh my goodness, I never thought of that. And so it's partly, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And so bringing in someone like myself or someone else who's educated on this topic, reading books, my first book, When I Do Becomes I Don't, is written specifically and very step-by-step. So reading a resource like that will help them to get into the mind of a person that's experiencing that. And the, the willingness to learn is really all these pastors need. And recognizing, I'll never forget the first time a pastor brought me in to speak at his marriage conference. And he said to me, something tells me that a woman that knows this much about divorce would be great at speaking at a marriage conference. Hmm. And I thought, wow, see, most pastors don't think like that. Most pastors don't, hey, let's bring in the lady who for 25 years has been hugging those weeping and grieving the death of their marriage to teach these married couples how not to end up there. Mm. See, they, they only want the marriage guru guys. They don't understand that I can bring in a perspective that is totally different. I'm not saying they don't need the, you know, Venus and Mars seminars, but you know what? Those are really for the people that just need a little tune-up on their marriage. 
when you are dealing with couples who are in desperation, you need somebody who's been in the trenches of divorce for as long as I have. And so that would be the thing that I would say to them is get your and stop reading all of these just normal marriage books and get your hands on some resources for single parenting, divorce recovery, and remarriage so that you will be better equipped to help stop divorce. All right, it's time for some good news. Let's talk about some good news because, you know, it is, this is a tough subject. And by the way, we still have a couple of sets of copies of books to give away. If you really have friends who have gone through this, they've got blended families, you yourself are a blended family, and you really want to learn more about the life that you're leading and how to do it to glorify the Lord, call into the studio line now. Get a couple of copies of these the Smart Stepmom book and the 101 Tips for the Smart Stepmom by Laura Petherbridge. 855 265 2929, 855 265. 2929. All right, Laura, time for some good news. Talk about those uh, marriages that are a success story, that after the, these blended families that have come together after after the spouses have uh, been divorced, the, the, you know, a husband whose wife ran away and a wife whose husband ran away, and they, they blend this family together, and after you helping them, counseling them, they are today married and successful. Tell me, tell us something positive. Well, that would be even my my own story. I now this December, my husband and I will be married thirty years. Wonderful. He has, um, two, yep, he has two sons that were eleven and thirteen uh, when we got married, and that was thirty years ago. And in the early years, I wasn't sure I would make it. To be honest with you, so you see, I thought because I had two stepmoms growing up that that taught me how to be a stepmom, and so that was just erroneous and naive thinking. I, I just you know, was clueless about how involved this was going to be and how complicated it was going to be. So in the early years, because I still had a lot of wounds of my own that I hadn't taken to the Lord yet and let him heal, I uh, really was like, okay, this is not what I signed up for. This is not what I thought this was going to be. And it wasn't because my husband wasn't a great guy. He is. It's just the complexities overwhelmed me. But I just had to decide, okay, I am going to learn how to do this. I, Jesus has to teach me how to become a stepmom because I've never been one before, and obviously it's more complicated than I thought it was going to be. And so he needs to teach me how to love these children through his eyes. And that is exactly what he did. You know, I did a lot of smart things along the way. I realized that to these kids, I am their father's wife. I stopped trying to be the perfect stepmom. I stopped trying to, you know, be be Martha Stewart. I stopped trying to be all of those things. And I recognized, you know what? To these kids, I am their father's wife. Just let that be okay. Let that be enough. There's nothing wrong with that. And so part of it was relaxing, learning my role, recognizing you know, what What was a good stepmom wasn't. But I'll tell you, the biggest thing that made a difference in my stepfamily is when I started getting some help for the brokenness in my own soul. And there were so many things. And Martha, this goes back to what you said in the beginning of our conversation. I do a message called, Who's Your Daddy? And it has nothing to do with divorce or stepfamilies or anything like that. It is my journey into learning that I am the beloved. And so it goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning of this 
talk that until I learned that this was not about following a bunch of God's rules, that it was letting God love me. You see, I let Jesus save me, but I wouldn't let him love me for a long, long time. Mm. And I didn't even know I was doing it. I had gotten so busy on the church treadmill that I thought I was doing all the things right, but I wasn't letting Jesus love me. That's what changed my life. Today we're talking with author and speaker Laura Petherbridge about the article that she wrote, which then got me up on all of her books that she's written. The article she wrote, this is the reason God actually hates divorce. And before we get back to Laura, just a, a point that Martha wanted to make sure. We're trying to just help the churches be aware that this is a reality we're dealing with. This isn't a reality we want, but this is a reality we're dealing with. There, the collateral damage of divorce has now gone into the second and the third generation from from what's going on in the 60s and then the 80s and then the 2000s. I mean, divorce is a reality in church today. How we help support and encourage those that have gone through divorce, who are the victims of divorce, and today dealing with the things, the sin issues that people have in their lives that cause them to get divorced, the church needs to just wake up. Now, there are some churches that have woken up and are dealing with the issues of pornography and addictions and abuse and adultery that's rampant in churches. From one end of the church to the other. It's no different than the, and the sins don't rank any higher than the sins of lying and cheating and these other things. But we're trying to help the church be better equipped on how to help these people because these people are hurting. People that have gone through divorce are hurting and they don't know where to turn. And because a lot of times churches don't know what to do with them, that's why we're having this show. And Laura, you're an expert. You've gone through this, unfortunately, yourself, but in the last 25 years, you've become an expert in helping people. So talk about another couple that maybe you helped save their marriage by being honest about them with them about the, the woes of divorce. Yes. Well, the, the, a couple that comes to my mind is someone very recently I've been coaching, and their issue, when they contacted me, they thought their issue was finances, which is very common. People often point, often point to finances as the stressor in their marriage. But I always know that uh, financial stress is just a symptom. Just like a person having a heart attack and their left arm hurts, the problem isn't in their arm. The problem is their heart. And if they only treat the pain in their arm, they're they're still going to have a heart attack. Well, it's the same way with finances in a marriage. You can put people on a budget and get them all, you know, get them all putting all the numbers down. But if you don't get to the root issue of what caused finances to be a stressor, you're still going to have the underlying problem there. So when they contacted me, their marriage was in trouble because they were fighting over finances. After several coaching sessions, what we discovered was the reason finances were a trigger was because his first wife drove them so deeply into debt, it took him years to get out. So he was terrified of ending going back there again. And her first husband she remembers him standing in the kitchen before he was getting ready to walk out and saying, I'm leaving you, I've met someone else, and I'm not going to support these four kids, it's up to you. And she didn't know, she was like a stay-at-home mom. What am I going to do? And so when they began to have fights over money, what happened, and they didn't even realize it, is that it triggered this pain from their first divorce from their divorce, and so they were bringing that pain into the second marriage. I call it the the ghost of the ex-spouse past, and and it was haunting their new marriage, and it was paralyzing them. 
from going forward. Well, once they recognized that, oh, wow, that's why I'm so upset with you, then we could move forward. And see, that's a classic example of a couple who was deeply wounded by a spouse that walked out, and now they're bringing that corpse, that dead, stinking corpse from the first marriage into the second marriage, and if they don't address Mm. that, they'll end up with another divorce on their hands. The death that just keeps on giving. And really, that's what we we encourage couples that then end up getting divorced. And we always end up getting one spouse or the other. We're trying to help come alongside to support. Listen, don't get another relationship for at least a year. Because otherwise, you may end up getting involved in exactly the same kind of relationship again and making the same mistakes. Give yourself some time to heal. And a year is not a lot of time. But at least give yourself that year to step back, step away. But it, it is what you're talking about, Laura. We could talk about for an entire 12 hour period there's so much out there there's so many hurting people out there i want to thank you for writing these books just as an encouragement to the stepmoms out there and really to the stepdads that are out there there's so many people out there hurting thank you for your ministry to them I just want to thank, thank you for that. You. I also want I appreciate to, your heart. Well, and, and we do have a heart for it. If, if we could find a way to get supported full-time, we, we'd be in marriage fighting ministry all the time. You heard our, our, our advertising about our upcoming Cruiser Way to a Better Marriage. It's more, it's more what you talked about before. It's not the, we're, we don't have a lot of blended couples that come, but it is just in getting people to work on their marriages proactively is, is our goal. Let, let's, let's get ahead of it. All right, we've come to the end of another I Work For Him show, and I want to thank Baker, Baker Publishing and Bethany Publishers for giving us the books that we gave away on today's show from Laura Petherbridge. We still have another set left. The Smart Stepmom and 101 Tips of the Smart Stepmom. Call into the studio line now, 855-265-2929. As we come to the end of a show, I want to challenge you to join the I Work For Him Nation and take the challenge to start praying for your coworkers and employees each and every day to look for ways to befriend them and be part of their lives, to let them know who the real Jesus is and look for opportunities to pray with them, but to serve them in the position that you have during the day, but also to be the best and brightest example of an employee in the workplace each and every day so people know that Christ followers are the shining light. If you are willing to make that commitment and start praying for your coworkers and employees, go onto the I Work For Him website and click on Contact Us. We're Christ followers who own our own business, but ultimately, I work for Him.